So before we get to Kamala Harris spinning on CNN, it's about this topic. I'm reading about a school locally here that is going to open next week because the teachers got their vaccines. By the end of this week, all the teachers will have received their vaccine around here as they got moved up to the highest priority. Uh, You see, that doesn't need to happen, though. That's a phony stipulation. What are they saying definitively that the schools will open because the teachers are vaccinated? Yeah. Are they leaving a little hedge room? I don't think so. Starting next Tuesday, elementary school students will be able to go back to in-person learning in their classroom. Okay, they they will be able to go back. (laughs) I I just I want to see it happen. We got that email the other day from the gal who said her entire district was set to report for in-person learning, and like the day before, they announced the teachers uh, said, "No, we're not going to do that. We're not showing up." Pulled the the rug out from them. And and on that theme, if I might, very quickly, speaking of emails, uh, here's Katrina. Students at the Folsom Cordova California School District are holding a protest. Uh, what day is today? Wednesday? Today is Wednesday. Yeah, that's right. Had a holiday Monday. Um, they're holding a protest tomorrow morning at Folsom High School at 830 in the morning. Uh, the students are walking in. They're holding a protest to demand to be put in school that's in Folsom, Nerds. California. Nerds. And, and, <laughs> and, and, hey, youngsters and parents around the country, look at that. You know, take that as an example. And then this very quickly. Uh, Randy, almost 20-year listener here, wanted to let you know about our kids in school experience. Uh, have a six-year-old in kindergarten in Reno, Nevada. In-person schooling here has been amazing. The kids wear masks, but they're living a normal kid's life. The educational growth our child has had this year is monumental. And they, they mention, Randy mentions all the things the kid's learning. It's wonderful. There have been no outbreaks at his school. And if a kid, a kid is sick, they stay home. They wash their hands. They take normal precautions like a human should. Our county is an amazing example of how schools are safe and should be in person if the parents want it. It's it's working great. And the, the districts that are closed are surrounded by districts that are open. But for some reason, the parents in the closed districts don't comprehend that, or they're buying the hokum from the unions or something. There are millions of kids in in-person school right now. So this school that's going to open next week or uh, in you know rolling a rolling start for different grades in March now that the teachers have got their vaccinations, even though that's not a requirement. Um, that's a made up requirement. Uh, listen to this for opening up the schools. This is this school is as the crow flies eight miles from my kid's school. It's been open since August. Um, students will be wearing masks. We'll also have face shields. Yeah, just like all the other schools that have been open all year long. Uh-huh. Uh, we had an architect come in and go over the workspace to mark out where the desks should be to keep the six-foot social distancing. Uh, you, you point hi- of order. You uh, hired an architect to put desks six feet apart. How about you buy a $4 tape measure? <laughs> Boy, that's just... That is horses. I wish I could drop the S-bomb. This this moment calls for it. That's bull ass. <laughs> I hired an architect to figure out how to put the desks six feet apart. Well, it's your money, so they don't care. That is really something. That's stunning. It's just astonishing. Uh, is there more, more to it? I'm just reading the rest of it. It gets, I mean, a, little, it gets is... a little fudgy on uh, opening up as you go up through the grades. So. Ah, yeah. Yep. Yep. 
You know, I've been reading about, uh, speaking of the uh, non-functioning of, of public facilities, I've been reading about the Texas power grid problems. And, uh, you know, conservatives, people like me, were, were anxious to leap to the whole the windmills are getting frozen thing. And that's true. Uh, but the piles of coal are also frozen solid. And a lot of uh, natural gas lines are freezing, and the compressors are, are losing pressure and that sort of thing. So it's it's a once-in-a-century cataclysm. We should break in with some breaking news. This is some pretty big breaking news. When news breaks, the, 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 the donkey brays. This is especially big news for our industry and uh, everything that we do. Rush Limbaugh has passed. Oh, my goodness. Um, El Rushbo. Yeah. 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 Mm. Not a shock, but uh, no, not not surprising. A sad anybody. moment, certainly. And he had yeah. announced what was that a couple of weeks ago that uh, he, that uh, is clear at this point. I'm not going to beat this thing. This is what is going to kill me. Um, you know, I never know how to handle these situations. Uh, teachable moment. Well, you know, maybe he'd make this trade. I don't know. You can't you can't smoke like crazy your whole life and not have it get you. It gets practically everybody who does that. Yeah, yeah, it certainly increases the chance. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we all make our choices in sure. life. You live with yours, I'll live with mine. I'll just say that, you know, uh, obviously everybody in talk radio has listened to Rush a little or a lot, and we saw him speak in person a number of years ago. Good point. Uh, but he spoke uh, extemporaneously, without notes, for what was it, an hour and a half, two hours? Oh, it was really long. It was something like that. But not dull. Oh, but it was it was incredibly interesting the entire time and he was the best speaker i'd ever seen for interrupting himself mid-thought going off on a tangent might be a 10 minute long tangent and he would get to the end of that then pick up with the next word of the sentence that he'd left off 10 minutes ago his brain just worked like very few people's brains work he was a brilliant speaker, a great advocate of conservative ideas. I didn't always agree with him. I don't worship him. I don't worship any man. Uh, maybe a particular carpenter from Nazareth. But, um, but respect, respect for his skills is enormous. Well, I probably haven't heard 10 hours cumulative of Rush Limbaugh in my entire life. Mostly, well, entirely, because I've been in the radio business my entire adult life since I was 19 years old. And I've always worked uh, either opposite him or close enough to opposite him that there just wasn't an opportunity for me to listen. But mm-hmm. I am very well of the impact he had on the, the world of talk radio. And he, he he made AM talk radio. The only reason AM radio still exists, really, is Rush Limbaugh becoming such a huge deal. It was probably going to go the way the Dodo Bird uh, prior to Rush coming on the scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he's that big. He's probably the biggest thing that has ever existed in radio. Oh, yeah. I mean, and if that's not true, it might as well be true. Um, he, uh, he, his career started, his talk radio career started in the same, uh, newsroom that ours did, actually, in Sacramento, California. We knew and worked with a lot of Rush's good friends from early in his career. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that, that people probably, uh, who, who caught on a little later in his career don't realize is that for a long time, he was hilariously funny and wildly irreverent. I mean, he was much more, in the first third of his talk radio career, he was much more Armstrong and Getty than he was Rush Limbaugh in the last third of his career when he became just this super heavyweight influencer of the nation's politics. But, you know, whether it was his uh, his, his feminazi reports 
or um, or what was the other bit he used to do that was so funny? Well, there was a lot of stuff. He was just super irreverent and, and really terrific. I'd love to go back and listen to a bunch of his early shows. I've heard a bunch of them, but it's been years since I've listened. But anyway, yeah, Rush, and, he, uh, and he still made references to his local stuff. Um, that you know, people around the country knew what he meant, but you probably had never been to those towns. He referred to the Rio towns. Linda, of course. Yeah, those of you in Rio Linda, uh, which was uh, you know, it's one thing, and then the People's Republic of Davis, where I live, that he always referred to over the years as you know a liberal bastion, which it is. Um, That's funny. I'd forgotten it was a Russism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. When we saw him speak that one time, because I hadn't listened to him on the radio much, that was one of the m- most impressive speaking engagements i've ever seen in my life and i realized oh okay his his brain works differently than mine does in terms of being able to just speak monologue like that talent on loan from god so i remember i saw the headline yesterday or uh, tuesday when we came in that mark stein was going to be filling in for him this week and so i think he worked did he work last week so he almost worked up to the very end. I, I know he, a friend who listens every day told me he hadn't worked very much at all the last couple of weeks. Uh-huh. That's secondhand. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But um, I'd so I'd gotten a very strong idea that he was uh, he's not doing terribly well. But still, up until the last couple of weeks of his life, he did. You know, he, he certainly was trying. The talk yeah. radio thing was, um, you know, clearly what what he cared about was his life. Yeah, yeah he did what he loved. Yeah. yeah. Boy, he had quite the setup, too. For years, he's just been um, in Florida at his giant mansion, you know, steps away where he, from where he was going to play golf as soon as he got off the air uh-huh. um, yeah. and uh, doing his thing. The actual golden, golden EIB microphone. Yeah. Well, a legend has passed. There'll be a hell of a scramble in the radio business to try to figure out what a lot of those Rush Limbaugh stations are going to be going forward. Yeah, yeah. How many stations was he on at the end? Was it five, six hundred or more? I don't even know. I don't. I don't remember. That range sounds about right to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, but when when Howard Stern, you know, left terrestrial radio and went to satellite, they tried to replace him with somebody that they thought would kind of be like Howard Stern. I guess didn't they go with David Lee Roth? Uh, yeah. On the East Coast. They did like a regional uh-huh. thing where I think it was Corolla on the West Coast replaced him. And then, yeah. And nothing against any of those people. I like Adam Corolla well, a lot. Oh, but, yeah. He's great. But you get a different thing. And so you're going to get a different audience. It's just, what? there's just no getting around that. The idea that David Lee Roth, he's funny, he's wild, he's crazy, he does those high kicks and spandex, he'd make a great radio host, was a little insulting to those of us who've made a pretty good living at the business. <laughs> it was the most clear example of, I, I believe this is your thing, Joe, where you know, the first two shows are easy. Show 75, show 584, those are the difficult ones. And he, he ran out of stories pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um... Rush Limbaugh's how age on Rush? Uh, Seventy, I think. Was he that old? Okay, I thought he was younger than that. Rush, rest in peace, El Rush Bowen. Well done, well done. You know, that's he was also on NFL Football for a short time. ESPN, I forget about oh, that. Oh, right, right, right. He had his run but it was on too uh, controversial. Right. Um. So, if you want to see some really inappropriate hate, I think you could go to Twitter right now. Why? Why? To see how I'd rather, I'd how rather go down to the. Be? Why don't I go down to the local water processing plant and roll around in the sewage instead? 
If you take any, a nice swim. If you got anything to say, Rush, we could run through some text when we come back. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. He built the business that we make a living in. So, Or if you'd prefer, you can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It is with profound sadness I must share with you directly that our beloved Rush, my wonderful husband, passed away this morning due to complications from lung cancer. As so many of you know, losing a loved one is terribly difficult, even more so when that loved one is larger than life. Rush will forever be the greatest of all time. Uh, Rush Limbaugh died uh, this morning, as you just heard his wife say, during his show, which was uh, an interesting way to announce it. A bunch of people said Friday before last was the last time Rush was on the air, so he worked dang near clear up to the very end. Mm -hmm. It sounded great, too. I heard part of that show. We got a bunch of texts from people who are big Rush Limbaugh fans or people who used to listen to him uh, way, way, way back in the day because he started where we are um, right now. We got this text, which I find kind of funny. If you guys want to expand your radio show, you better stalking, start talking to your managers to get off their asses and call some of those stations that Rush was on. Trust, oh. trust me. Wow. When, Good idea. When Rush announced he was really sick and there was any hint whatsoever that he might be going off the air. The scrambling among talk shows in America and agents and companies was a uh, begun in earnest. So yeah, not lost uh, for, on anybody. For for what it's worth, our team decided very quickly that that would be distasteful, and so we would just continue doing the best show we could. And if uh, you know something interesting happens, great. But we were not going to you know call the powers that be and say, hey, you know. Well, you can you can fill in the blank. You know, it's funny. It popped into my head. Uh, the first time I ever heard Rush Limbaugh's name, it was extremely early in my radio career. And uh, it was right around when I actually, when I met you, Jack, um, I was at uh, some event. Grinder. That's where we met. <laughs> Grinder.com. And uh, I was doing an, an appearance. Uh, Jack and I were working for competing stations at the time. And a guy come, came up to me uh, during a commercial break or whatever. And he said, hey, are you into Rush? And and it's funny, Michael, I don't know if that was a coincidence that you played the Canadian band Rush coming back as bumper music, but it uh, doesn't matter. But I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I've, I've been in a rush forever. I mean, I started naming albums and stuff, and he got more and more confused looking, and he said, no, I mean Rush Limbaugh. And I said, who? Oh. And that was the first time I ever heard Rush's name and uh, checked him out and thought, oh, wow. I'm looking at the cable news. I'm just kind of interested. So MSNBC doesn't have anything about it. i got to believe Fox is going to have a headline on it. Oh, yeah, Fox is going with the breaking news headline. MSNBC, nothing. So that probably makes sense. Um, I'll be interested to hear what the mainstream hated Rush media that uh, he decried as the drive-by media for all these years have to say about his passing. Yeah. Well, he decried them accurately. As they try to pretend they're not gleeful. 
Got a screen capture of this. This is pretty good. This is a bunch of different news stories that have happened uh, over the last uh, year and a half or so. I'll do them in the proper order here. This is from, and one's from the Washington Post, one's from NPR, one's from, they're from different places, but these are headlines. But they are in chronological order. Chronological order, which is important. Minneapolis Council moves to defund police, establish holistic public safety force. Then from the It'll Washington, look like the suburbs. Then from the Washington Post, Minneapolis violence surges as police officers leave departments in droves. Then the headline, Minneapolis City Council alarmed by surge in crime months after voting to defund the police. <laughs> then, with violent crime on the rise in Minneapolis, City Council asks, where are the police? <laughs> then, some Minneapolis City Council members would like a redo on defunding the police report. Finally, from yesterday, Minneapolis to spend $6.4 million to recruit more police officers. If only somebody had predicted what would happen. If only everybody had known that's exactly what would have happened. But, you know, you ran the experiment so other liberal areas don't have to try it, I guess. Uh, you know, riding a unicorn, it's disorienting, apparently. And you start to believe fantasy-filled policies will work. They don't. What a hilarious trajectory. Armstrong and Getty. Rush Limbaugh has passed away, which is a giant deal for um, talk radio and um, uh, the Republican Party. I think. It's heartbreaking for his millions of listeners, too. Sure. I think they considered him a friend and, oh, and an absolutely. older brother in a lot of ways. Yeah, And someplace they could go to every day to get an idea of what's going on in the world or what the proper take is on things and that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. um, We'll see how that turns out. How much power do you think he had in the Republican Party? Enormous. I think so, too. You know, if you really, really wanted to get into it, the evolution of his feelings about Trump was was pretty interesting. I think if he was against you, you're going to have a pretty rough go of it on a national stage. Oh, I think you'd be doomed. Or, or close to doomed. Yeah, yeah, so true. There hasn't been a voice like that really on either side of the aisle since Cronkite, I don't think. And probably never will be again just because of the way things work in modern media. Right, right. So uh, really interesting watching the uh, the tap dance in the Biden administration over opening the schools, or not opening the schools. It's easy to understand. It is morally, scientifically, and ethically indefensible to keep the schools closed. Here's something I heard yesterday. I thought it was really good. Okay. I'll give credit since it, Jonah Goldberg came up with it because I thought it was pretty clever. The teachers' unions have the power over the Democrat Party that Democrats think the NRA has over the Republican Party. Oh, yeah, yeah, well said, well said. So uh, since it is utterly indefensible to keep the schools open, there are millions of kids going to school full-time, in person right now, and everybody's great. They hold, We're not going to open till it's safe, safe for the fact. No, it's a cash grab, it's extortion, it's utterly immoral. But President Biden on Tuesday said his White House press secretary, Jen Psaki, was wrong when she said his school reopening plan would only see half of the children back in the classroom for as little as one day a week. You remember when she said that? 
Mm-hmm. We made a big deal of it. Liberal media practically ignored it. Wait a minute. Opening schools in the first 100 days means half of schools one day a week? That There are millions of kids already in class. What are you talking about? No, that was a miscommunication, you see. Exactly, yeah. At the town hall last night, he said, that's not true. There was a mistake in the communication. <laughs> that's a hell of a mistake. That's a hell of a mistake. Or we ran it out there and thought it would work and got so much blowback, I have to change uh, direction. But Yeah, yeah. Now he's saying, my guess is they're probably going to be uh, probably pushing to open all summer to continue like it's a different semester. So he is uh, pitching some sort of uh, you know summer semester, everybody's in school, which, which is better than what Ms. Saki was saying. Uh, meanwhile, over on the Kamala Harris front, you have her spokesperson trying to defend her uh, fairly uh, indefensible take on the school's opening. Go ahead and roll that clip, Sean. Prioritize is one thing, and I think there's wide agreement. They should be prioritized. Oh, this is kind of picking up mid-conversation about uh, teacher vaccinations being a prerequisite for schools reopening. And this is shockingly on CNN, correct? Yes. Wow. Prioritize is one thing, and I think there's wide agreement. They should be prioritized, and why not? Is it necessary, though? That's the question. It really is a yes-no question. Well, John, I think the real question, frankly, if I can be frank here, is what you're getting to is, is it safe for kids to go back to school? And the president and vice president... In this case, that's not the question. The question is, is it safe for teachers to go back to school? And that's, that's a very specific question in this case. And again, I'm not sure... I don't understand why it's a hard question to answer. It may be that you want every teacher to be vaccinated. It may be the answer is, yeah, teachers should, if they can, be vaccinated before they return to school, but it's not necessary. Well, John, I think the president has been clear, the vice president has Mm. been clear, and I think I was really clear just now that it is the administration's position, the president and vice president believe, that teachers should be prioritized for vaccinations. And in 22 states, at least, and the District of Columbia, that's exactly what is happening. You know, uh, look... I'll try this one last is, time. I'll try one last time. Does okay, the president does the president feel that that teachers have to be vaccinated in order for schools to, to open safely? Yes or no? The president believes that teachers should be prioritized for vaccination. His right. wife, Dr. Biden, the first lady, is a teacher. He knows the importance of teachers being in the classroom. The president and vice president also know, John, that teaching for many people is not just what they do. It is who they are. It is a calling. Right, me, uh, and teachers want to be in the classroom. Parents want students in the no, classroom. They'd be in the and classroom. we want to do so uh, safely and, and operating right. according to the science. All right. I'm not going to get a yes or no on that minimum yeah safely like the millions of kids the thousands and thousands of schools that are currently open full-time that safely that's a pretty good standard of safety well i would say for the uh the the biden side and the teachers union side you're winning so as Mm, laughable as it is are they as as obvious as it is to me what's going on here you seem to be winning you got your more money oh i haven't done this since the beginning of the show this was this depressed me last night when this news came out, here's one example. And now example. you're going to depress everybody else? Here's my example of how they're winning. So the CBO, that's the Congressional Budget Office. They're nonpartisan. They just crunch the numbers and uh, let us know what's going on when they dig into various paperwork. So uh, already 60-some million dollars has gone to school to reopen during the coronavirus. They've only spent like $4 billion of it. So they don't even need more money to start with because they've barely even touched it. But doesn't matter. 
People don't pay attention. They don't know that. So the Biden administration is able to get another $128 billion for the schools. $128 billion. Here's the kicker from the CBO, though. Only six of it is for this year. The other $122 billion is spread out over the next seven years. That's in addition to the insane amount of money that we already spend on schooling. I mean, we already right. spend an, an unbelievable, way more than when you were a kid. And right. get right. less for it because of all the waste. Um, but so, in addition, another hundred plus million dollars that's just going to be spread out over the next seven years, spent on whatever. It'll just go into just a, big a gigantic pile of money. slush fund for quote unquote education. Has zero to do with COVID, nothing to right. do with COVID. I mean, that's just disgraceful. And the fact that your kid's not in school today has nothing to do with that hundred billion dollars that's going to be spent seven years from now. Yeah. So, yep. how do you like that with your taxpayer money? So Gary yeah, in I LA think, I think they're winning. Gary in LA wrote us this note. He he attaches the headline from the Hill that uh the LA school district has cut 133 police officers uh, officers and has banned the use of pepper spray on students. And Gary writes, teachers in LA know they can be protected against COVID and they know that COVID is an excuse for not going back is politically acceptable whereas fear of students doesn't play well. Per the attached article, less police presence, less ability of the remaining officers to enforce discipline in L.A. schools. Not to mention, Gary doesn't mention this, the uh, the uh, the new policy that says you cannot kick kids out of class for being openly defiant. Maybe the L.A. teachers are just terrified of getting back in the classroom. Like he points out, and they're using COVID as an excuse. It's possible. So you are, are you saying you don't think the teachers' unions are winning this uh, battle? I think the amount so of money far, they're getting is in, it's just, you can't even, it boggles the mind. You know, maybe I'm just naive because you're probably right. The sentiment is definitely moving in the direction of open the schools now. And if this story, if everything was the same, but this story had happened 10 years ago when the average age of American journalists was 38 and not 26. And the average journalist did have a child or two, as opposed to now, uh, you know, living with a roommate in a studio apartment in in Manhattan or whatever, um, the story would be reported completely differently. You have a bunch of liberal, childless, young people reporting on this story, and they have no idea what they're talking about. So, yeah, so far I think the, the unions have gotten away with their skullduggery, but that it's trending in the other direction. The wind has absolutely shifted. You had Jen Psaki throwing that crap up against the chalkboard to see if it would stick. And the president himself said, uh, no, no, that was a miscommunication. As we've heard from several private schools, they've, been, they've opened with a fraction of the budget of the local public school. Uh, yet the public schools are getting tons more money. And, uh, boy, I'm really going to... It's really going to grind my gears like three years from now when somebody's making the, but we need more money for schools, man, argument. Well, I guarantee you, you're going to be looking at some sort of bond measure uh, being pushed in your municipality uh, right. because the schools uh, need more money. Yeah, whatever. Uh, our text line is 415-295-KFTC. One of the headlines, certainly if you're a talk radio listener, is Rush Limbaugh has passed at the age of 70. After his lung cancer battle, so that is going to shake up the world of uh, of media somewhat. He's a heavyweight among heavyweights. Sure, shake up the world of politics mm-hmm. right when, honestly, the Republican Party needs um, right a referee, some some a referee, some uh, some figure who's more or less agreed upon as 
you know, we might disagree on that, but we all agree on the stuff Rush says. So, you know, who knows? That could play a role historically. I guess we'll find out. Absolutely could. Uh, More on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So, is where where's that going to be on? It's a live action Cruella Deville backstory. From 101 oh. Dalmatians. Yeah, she seems- I couldn't tell. There was so many timpani in it. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Boom. I can't figure out what's going on. Yeah, this will be on the, the Disney Plus, and uh, she seems to be getting the Joker treatment. Uh- <laughs> oh, like a grittier version of Corella uh, DeVille? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah she was uh, driven mad by the cruelty of somebody or other and was actually the victim and something, something. Uh, yeah, yeah, very, I mean, even down to, like, the, the sloppy way in some of the scenes where her makeup's on, right, they seem okay. to be really kind of steering gotcha. into it. all right. Yeah, yeah, just another in the latest genre of, hey, the things you enjoyed as a child, those characters actually have PTSD, and we're going to show it to you now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to mention this, because Rush Limbaugh himself would have enjoyed this. Rush Limbaugh died today, died this morning, actually, his, his uh, wife announced it on his show. But Rush would get a kick out of this because he talked about this sort of thing. New York Times, their obituary piece that they've got on Rush Limbaugh, which they probably had written for the past several months, right? They've got a Mm -hmm. picture of him as a big, giant, fat guy from 25 years ago. Rush hasn't been fat for like 20 years at least. But they've got a great, big, giant, fat guy picture that they're using as the picture for Rush Limbaugh, which is pretty funny. That's the sort of thing that uh, you do that is kind of a sneaky bias you do in the in news. Right. Right. It's just a, it's a snotty bias. Right. I'm uh, I'm s- uh, flipping through the uh, Wall Street Journal obituary. It's uh, it's critical in a lot of ways. In fact, very early on it um takes shots at him for some of the things he said about the storming of the Capitol. I didn't hear any of that. What did he say about the storming of the Capitol? Well, on his show uh, the next day, oh, see, this is unfair. Mr. Limbaugh characterized the rioters as overwhelmingly, quote, well-behaved and respectful. Well, now I would have to hear the show. Is he talking about the rioters or the demonstrators? Because the demonstrators were overwhelmingly well-behaved and respectful. In fact, we talked to people who were there on the scene. There were huge crowds screaming at the people, don't break the windows, don't break the windows. Um, falsely suggesting that Antifa and Democrat-sponsored instigators were responsible for the violence. That was some of the early reporting. Um, we corrected it. I don't know whether he did. Um, but, yeah, that seems odd, that, uh, that early in the article, the Wall Street Journal. Oh, well. That's fine. His, you know, his legacy is what it is. Some uh, paragraph in the Wall Street Journal is not going to change that. And again, 
Around here, we're not worshipful. We're just respectful. He was great at what he did for a living and changed the industry forever. Um, Different topic. We just got this text. I just moved from the San Francisco area to Austin, Texas. You and a whole lot of other people. I'll bet it's weird when you get to Texas from California and you run into people all the time (laughs) that are from where you're from. Anyway, I just moved to Austin, Texas. We've been without heat for three days. God, what's the temperature there now? I know it was 10 the other day. No heat for three days. Your show is literally the only thing I have to look forward to when I wake up. I was talking about a friend of our family, our former farrier, who's also a falconer, the only farrier falconer I know, uh, who used to shoe our horse. He moved to Texas with his wife, and they got two little kids, and they've had no heat for several days. Ten degrees, no heat, and no place to go because the hotels don't have heat. Nothing has heat. Nobody has heat for like 100 miles. Man, that's caveman living. It really is. Bundling yourself up in furs, huddling together for warmth. Uh, Grabbing hold of your dog. Over here. I'm I'm cold. Boy, that's rough. And and folks with babies, I'm I'm sure they're mostly finding a way to deal with it, but that's that's awful. You know, we got this note from uh, Texanonymous. My family and I moved to North Texas a few years ago after more than 30 years in Southern California. I find it rather humorous how many in the Golden State are mocking the words of Ted Cruz, who once stated that California couldn't even keep the power going, with the punchline being that there are outages all over Texas right now. Of course, in Texas, the outages were caused by record low temperatures, a lot of snow and ice, and a once-in-a-century winter storm. In California, they're caused by a forecast of light winds. Nice try, Californian, says California, says the former Californian. Yeah, I made that point earlier. Um, people are talking about green energy in Texas and all that sort of thing. I I don't think a once-in-a-hundred-year storm causing you to lose power is the same complaint as it happens all the time, every time it's windy in California. Right, absolutely. And, you know, Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, is under some pressure because this is a disaster. Many people have died. I mean, I can't remember what the current death toll is. Something like 16 across the region. Uh, millions of people, 3.3 was the last number I heard, in Texas are without power, which is huge. And so he's saying, we will investigate, we will uh, nail this down, the rest of it. And there's some problems with the power grid, obviously, and the way it was prepped. But in reading more than I'd intended to about this, it just seems like a once-in-a-century cataclysm happened. And you wouldn't have infrastructure ready for that. No, no. It would be too expensive. Well, and it'd be a bad idea. Probably so. Yeah, it's it's as if, I don't know, I fortified my windows against elephant attacks. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. Admit me, chorus to this history. Who, prologue-like, your humble patients pray, gently to hear, kindly to judge, the final thoughts of Armstrong and Getty. There you go. Right. Here's your host, Joe Getty. With all due respect, King Lear, instead of elephant attacks, it's like I had my windows fortified against Antifa coming to my house and wanting to attack me. It's conceivable, but it's extremely unlikely. Yeah. Anyway, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. He's our technical director, pressing the buttons, Michelangelo. Michael. Yeah, thank you, Rush Limbaugh, for pioneering talk radio. If you ha- if the AM band had died, I probably wouldn't be running this show, and who knows what I'd be doing. Although we are delighted to be on a number of FM stations yeah, as well and should right. be on even more. Thank you. Positive Sean, our producer, has a final thought. Shawnee? The pettiness of sports fans remains one of my favorite emotions on the planet. And this uh, Sabres fan, as hockey season is underway, the Sabres are in dead last place, responded to one of their social media posts with, uh, I bought a cardboard cutout to honor my aunt who passed away and it is at your stadium watching the games. 
can I come pick it up so she doesn't have to watch this anymore? <laughs> That's great. I love that. Jack is the co-host. He has a final thought. Rush Limbaugh started in the same town as us, Sacramento. We just got this text. Grew up in Sac and worked in the restaurant Bon Appetit in Fair Oaks. And Rush would come in semi-regularly. He was always very nice and engaging with the staff. I remember standing at the table as a busboy and just joking with him about something. He did this with everyone who worked there in the kitchen, the floor, the bar staff. A really nice guy in person. There you go. That's nice. You know, I'm going to use my final thought to uh, to tease our One More Thing podcast we're about to record. We're going to talk to an old old friend of ours, a great radio guy and TV guy, Tom Sullivan, who is a good friend of Rush's uh, in their younger days. In fact, uh, I believe Rush was Tom's best man mm-hmm. at his wedding. So uh, that's our One More Thing podcast for today. We'll have that posted in an hour or two, and hope you can check it out. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. You can email us, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. See you around. God bless America. My point in everything today that I share with you about this is to say thanks and to tell everybody involved how much I love you from the bottom of a sizable and growing and still beating heart. I wasn't expected to be alive today. You have an expiration date. A lot of people never get told that and so they they um, don't face life this way i've learned what love really is during this armstrong and getty